0: Hey, and welcome back to my podcast called It's Pretty Personal. How have you guys been? Firstly, can we just acknowledge the fact that it's the first week of March and it's almost been a year since we went into lockdown? Like, what even? When I think about it, that's literally just so wild because I didn't think any of us thought that it would literally last as long as it has. Now, today's a really, really special episode because we're talking about Bhangra and friendships. And for people that might not know, I've been a professional Bhangra dancer now for six years with six competitions under my belt. And it's a hobby that's been a big part of my early 20s. And today I'm joined by Jessica, a three-time award-winning UK Best Female Dancer and a very dear friend. Jessica actually came with me to my first ever Bhangra class, and I'm so glad that we were able to start our Bhangra journeys together. And we've been friends for a really long time, so we thought that we would do like a friendship test, you know, like to reminisce. You may have heard Jessica on the podcast before because she was a guest on season one, episode five and six, where we spoke about colorism, first days and heartbreaks. Now, before we get into the episode, I do want to explain a bit about what Bhangra is for anyone who doesn't know. Bhangra is a dance originated in North India, specifically in a state called Punjab which is one of the states known for agriculture. The dance was traditionally used to celebrate the good harvest, and there was so much singing and dancing. Over the years, Bhangra has definitely evolved, with music and the dance having influences from the West. When residents from Punjab emigrated to the Western world, to countries such as the UK, Australia, Canada, the USA, they took that culture with them, and Bhangra has now been passed down from generations. For them, it was a way to keep in touch with those roots, but to also introduce it to new people and get them involved in celebrating Punjabi culture. In the UK, there are various Bhangra competitions, or if you want to use a proper lingo, then comp, that have been formed over the years, one of them being the Bhangra Showdown, which started in 2007 by students at Imperial College London, which has now become one of the biggest Bhangra competitions in the world, hosting in legendary venues such as Wembley Arena and the Hammersmith Apollo. And the way competitive Bhangra works in the UK is that there's two different types of competitions. One is for university students, aka unicomp, and the one is for whoever wants to dance, aka professional comp or summer comp. And honestly, and this is a real story, by the way, the way that I explain competitive bhangra to people that don't know what it is, is in terms of football. So uni competitions are like the World Cup, like you have to compete with your university that you study at, whilst professional competitions are like club football, where you can pick your team, whether that's through an audition or if you get scouted. And there's various different professional bungar teams dotted all around the UK. Most of the universities in the UK do have a bungar society where students from that university can come, participate in classes, and if they would like, audition for the team. The team would then audition for a university bungar competition, such as the Bhangra Showdown, TBS for short. And if they get in, they will start training for comp, which normally happens in around like Feb or March of the year. Teams will normally train for three to four months prior to that in order to get competition ready. But obviously not this year because of COVID. But hopefully in 2022, things will pick up again. Fingers crossed. Recently in the UK, there was a documentary on the BBC called Bungra or Bust, which showed behind the scenes of what it's like to train for a university Bhangra competition. And trust me, it's not easy, but it's also so much fun. And that's something me and Jess will talk more about in the episode. And just because your university doesn't have a bungra society established doesn't mean that you can't do bungra. Me and Jess, along with a few others, actually started Loughborough-Bangra Society back in 2014. And I did want to use this as a smooth segue into an update of what's happening in India with the farmers' protest, because Bongra originated as a way to celebrate agricultural harvest, and the farmers' protest is about agricultural laws. As of the 2nd of March 2021, the day this episode airs, the farmers' protest in Delhi has been going on for more than three months. That's three months of farmers sleeping outside in the freezing cold, away from their families and their livelihoods, all to protest against agricultural reforms that the government have proposed, which essentially will strip away the right for minimum support price for farmers' crops. I've actually spoken about this in more detail in Season 1, Episode 19, but I also have added some articles below if you also want to check them out, as well as the podcast episode. Over the last three months, a lot has happened. It's gotten a lot of traction from the West. People with huge following such as Rihanna, Mina Harris and Greta Thunberg, tweeting their support for the farmers' protest. But also a lot of resistance, with spreading of fake news, blocking the internet at protest sites, violence and unlawful arrests of journalists and activists such as Nodip Kaur and Disha Ravi. I just want to say that it's great that there's been so much support for the farmers' protest and rightfully so as it's a massive movement of basic human rights. But the farmers' protest isn't a trend. And I'm not saying this, like you have to keep posting stuff on your social media. Like, no, don't feel pressured to post or share stuff that you don't want to, like your social media, your choice. But just be aware that it's still happening and these are real people's lives at stake. So please just keep educated, whether that's on or off social media. I've linked some pages and charities and articles down below if you want to support or just to keep educated. And don't forget to follow my social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Pretty Personal. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, then please do because I upload every single Tuesday. And then you'll get the episode like straight in your inbox. Like how cool is that? And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and definitely review this podcast five stars, because it will really help it grow. Thank you. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Because honestly, every single time I listen to it, like it genuinely brings a smile on my face. And I really hope it does for you too. So enjoy. And welcome back to another episode of It's Pretty Personal. I have one of my bestest friends on, and that is Jessica. You might actually recognise her because she was in episode five and episode six in my Girl Talk series. But yeah, I'm so excited to have Jess. So, hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. Hi, Pretty fans, and hi, pretty <laughs> I don't think I have fans. <laughs> yeah, all your
1: listeners are your fans. I'm the number one fan, but they're number two.
0: Oh my god! Like, thank you for being my guest today. I want to talk about quite a few things and just have a chat with you but I think the thing that brought us so much closer together was bongra, and bongra is the shared hobby that we had during uni and I know that it could definitely consumed both our 20s our early 20s were just full of bongra. yeah
1: pretty much like everyone we knew our whole circle everything we did well not everything but like it took up at least what six months of our lives like every year
0: yeah and we did that for what five five six years yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like it was that long of a period of our lives.
1: But I guess when we first started, it, it didn't really like, it was just like a thing that we did on the side. But then as time went on, it just like consumed more of our time and more of our circle.
0: Yeah, I think our last comp was together and that was 2019. That was like three years ago. Yeah, I know. That's so crazy. But before we get into all of Bungara, I think it'll be really funny to do a little quiz. So I try to Google questions about how well do you know each other? But some of them are just very generic questions. So the first question is like, how did we first meet? Do you remember? Okay,
1: let's tell the story of how we first met from my perspective and your perspective. Okay, go on. First day of uni, it was a Tuesday. I think it was the 18th of September. Am I right?
0: Wait, no, it might be 24th. It was the last week of September. It was, oh my God, I'm actually going into my calendar. 18th was graduation, 18th of July. So
1: 24th of September, 2013, that's when we met. So you moved into uni in the morning. Obviously, I wasn't there yet. And then I was moving all my stuff in and my mum was in my room unpacking stuff. And you, you kind of like popped your head around the door and was like, hi. I can't remember what you said, but basically your family had gone. You had unpacked all your stuff and they had left you and you were like, hmm, let me go hunt for some
0: friends. Yeah, and that's how we met. I don't remember it as well as you do, but I remember like my dad's that one Asian who is always early. He's like half an hour early to everything. What time did you leave your house? Like 7am? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was 7am. No, I think it was like nine because I think my scheduled appointment time was like 12 or one to like move in all my stuff. And I remember I had so much stuff because obviously I've never moved out before. I don't know how much to pack. I literally packed my whole room. I took my whole room to my uni room. But yeah, it was just really weird. And I remember we didn't really have halls. Like our halls was literally a corridor and it was basically a tower and every room was off a staircase and there was no lift. And I was like, okay, let me see who else is here. And I kind of just like knocked on a couple of doors and I was like, introduce myself and I met Jess. And then I was like, Jess is really nice. And then we kind of were like, do you want to go to dinner together? Because we had a canteen and that's how we met like day one. Do you know what it is? that everyone assumes that we met through Bhangra.
1: The thing is, we only started Bhangra in second year. So we literally had a whole first year, which was such a significant year full of so much stuff that happened. And that was all before we even started anything to do with Bhangra at uni.
0: Okay, question two. What am I allergic to? Apples. Apples
1: make your throat itch. But I don't think you're allergic to anything else. Almonds. I think you mentioned it before, but I didn't like yeah. that. What am I allergic to? Wait, I don't think you're allergic to anything. I don't know. Are you sure? Do you want to call a friend? <laughs> we put on the spot now. <laughs> um,
0: no, I don't think I'm allergic to anything. You sure?
1: Oh, you're feeling the pressure. You're like, oh my God, am I a shit friend?
0: <laughs> I'm literally like, am I a shit friend? No, because when you, like, whenever we have like, other restaurants, you don't have any dietary requirements. I'm going to go with a hard no. Okay, I was, yeah, I was tricking you. I'm not allergic to anything. <laughs> Number three, what is each other's favourite foods?
1: I don't even know my favourite food. How are you supposed to know my favourite food? I have an inkling of the type of dish. Cuisine. Cuisine. Okay. I had to answer for work yesterday, so I have two. I know you have two. What? I only just figured out what those two were yesterday. (laughs) How do
0: you know? Because you always go for curry-based food. So you like Indian food. And then I was just going to say like any food that includes curry and rice, because you like that kind of food. Yeah. So my
1: two that I go for, like, I really thought about it yesterday because I was like, okay, I'm 25 now. Let me actually know what my favorite dishes are. Because before when they asked, I'd be like, oh, well, I like chips. Like Everyone likes chips. What a stupid answer. So I like Thai curries and Indian street food right now. I only discovered that Indian street food two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Remember when we went to Middlesbrough Mella and we performed and we had a samosa chat? Don't make fun of my accent. I don't know how to say it. But yeah, it was amazing. And since then I was like, wow, this whole new area of like Indian food that I'd never tried or never heard of. And now it's like <laughs> one of my favorite things to eat. Your favorite food. Oh, God. <laughs> you definitely have a sweet tooth. So I wouldn't go with any cuisine, really. I know you recently discovered your love for sushi because I know before yeah. you were a bit like, mm, skeptical. But now you like sushi. But I know you like ice cream.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, ice cream and sushi. Like that. I think that is it. Next question. How have we changed since we first met each other? Okay. I can go go first. first.
1: You go first. You go first. Because I don't really think I've changed that much. I don't know.
0: I think you've mellowed a lot. When I first met you, Jess, you were so excitable. You were just like life soul of party with your big poofy, jewelry short hair and everything. You're just like, ah! And now you're a bit more just calm and collected and just like chill. I wish I still had that much energy in my life. I'm
1: just so unbothered by things now that I'm older. I'm just like, meh, I don't know. Just stuff happens and I'm like, "Uh." whereas before, if something happened, I'm like, oh my God, tell me all about it. Or, oh my God, I want to get involved. You have become a lot more confident in yourself and a lot more chatty with other people. And secondly, before you used to like really worry about not letting down your parents and stuff, but now you're like, I don't care. I'm going to do me. Okay, so what is one thing that you like about me? I think the main thing is that like you have goals and you work towards that. You always have something to work towards, whether that's at work, with your studies, with the podcast, with bungalow, with anything, or like, I want to go to these places within the next year, like in terms of like traveling. So you always have like a goal that you're working towards too. That's really good. Like you have a purpose or like a vision towards something all the time.
0: Oh, that's actually really nice. One of my 2020 girls was that passed my driving test and I did my driving test today and I failed.
1: It's all good because now you know how it goes
0: and it didn't even go badly. You actually did really well, so... It was just towards the end. This stupid, like if anyone lives in London, knows that cab drivers or taxi drivers are like the worst drivers. So I was like on a traffic lights going in my lane. This dude wanted to overtake me. It's a merging lane. And I was trying to accelerate to like pick up my speed because I was like, this guy's going to mark me down. And this guy was trying to overtake me and try and join into my lane. And then, yeah, the test person had to like hold my steering. I was like, fuck, I failed. A whole ass car appeared out of nowhere. I just didn't check my right mirror, which I should have done. But it was just so annoying because it was in the last couple of minutes. Like, And I was like, oh, man. So my favorite trait about you is how you're always there for people, but you're there for people. Like, There's a difference between being there for people. But the way you're there for people is like a whole different level. It's like, if I'm like, oh, Jess, I feel like this. You'll be like, sending me research articles, but do this, do that. People don't do that. Like, you're such a rarity when it comes to stuff like that because you literally take my problems on, like, your problems. People don't do that. they just like, oh, so tell me about your problem. Like, you're out here sending me, like, this, that, and the other. Do this. Tell me your goals for this week. We'll, like, help each other out. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, you're always there for me. And, like, I love that about you. Oh, I never realised that, but I see. Oh, that's nice. Okay, Final question. When were we the most proudest of each other?
1: I can't remember when it was exactly, but there was a moment in time where, I don't know if it was about you having to tell your parents about holiday or something. And you were like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. You were like, I don't care what my parents say. And I was like, whoa, pretty. (laughs) She's so grown. She doesn't care anymore. I was like, wow. Because that was your like, you know, when you're like a teenager and you're just like, I don't give a shit about what my parents say. I'm going to do what I want to do. It was like
0: your moment your version of that and I was like wow literally like four years too late but in my 20s I had my teenage moment <laughs> yeah I'm so glad that I did that because now I like go on holiday whenever I want to go and they're not worried about it. I think they're so desensitized to that like, me going on holiday they're like oh okay when's your flight like, that's honestly what they will say now so I remember how terrified you were to tell them about
1: the first holiday we went to this was um, Portugal um, and you would never been on a holiday
0: with friends before, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think I was like 20. I think 21. Yeah, and you're so worried about telling your parents for ages. Oh my God. And I was doing that thing where I was like procrastinating and then I'll make up scenarios in the shower of how it was going to go. And I will have like my 40 page argument planned of like all the reasons why I should be going. I do this for most things. And then I came to it and it wasn't even that bad because all my dad was like, ask your mom. And my mom was like, okay I built it up as this massive thing in my head when it wasn't even like a really big thing but I think it's just because I was so terrified to do something for the first time my most proudest moment of yours is the first time you won best female bungalow competition I was so freaking proud of you because I know how hard you worked and I wasn't even there like I wasn't even at that comp, Manchester or something yeah I had a family thing at Manchester thank god it was live streamed so i remember i was the whole time at the family event i was literally there just on my phone seeing it when i found out i was so happy for you i think i screamed like and these people were like why the f is this girl screaming and i'm like my best my best friend just won like best female opponent competition but yeah i think that was my i was so proud of you and i remember because that was before we went to portugal that comp was right before we went to portugal i was very very proud of you because I know like, how much Bongra meant to you at that time. And it was just nice that the world could also see that as well.
1: I think I did know it was live streamed, but didn't really think about people watching that live stream.
0: I was watching that live stream. <laughs> so, talking about Bongra and our Bongra journey, because it's been such a big hobby for us, do you remember how you first got into Bongra? Yeah. So,
1: at uni, they had Dilse, which is a. Annual charity kind of dinner and dance kind of event. And every year they have a few students. So usually like eight or something or less, six or eight, that just put together a bungalow performance. I don't know. You must have told me about it or showed me the video from last year and was like, do you want to do it? Someone posted on Facebook saying, oh, if you're interested, come to this dance studio. And then I ended up going with you. Yeah, that was really fun. Wait, did I know anyone? I knew a couple of people, but not really. I knew you, obviously.
0: I remember showing you that Facebook post because I was like, that was when my cousin was going to get married. And I was like, wow, I don't want to be a potato like every other wedding and actually want to learn to dance. And I was like, I think we were in Hazelgrave, which is like one of the study buildings. And I showed it to you because we were doing like a late night study session. When we say late night study session, AKA procrastinating for three hours and doing like an hour of work. I knew how much you love dancing. So I was like, she'll be the perfect person and also my friend. So I won't be alone at this class. Yeah, I'm really glad that we actually went because I wouldn't have gone if you didn't go, by the way. Really? No, because I would have been too scared. It is quite scary,
1: you know, going to a dance class for the first time. I think, yeah, that's what like Loughborough does really well in terms of like the society. There's like new freshers or new people come to dance class. They make them feel really welcome. I think that's like our USP, like this is our selling point. It makes it a lot less scary. Like even when I go to like um, classes at the gym now, I feel a bit scared, but it's okay. I'm an adult.
0: I don't think that anxiety will ever go away, though. Like I'm exactly the same. I always feel like when I have to go to like spin classes and stuff by myself, or like a boxing class, and I haven't got a friend, and I need to kind of make a friend to be my sparring partner, I'm like, this is really scary. You yeah, when it's <laughs> the first time,
1: it's scary. But
0: then yeah. once you've
1: gone to that class like a couple of times, I'm just like, meh.
0: pretty much. How was it like, like learning bhangra, like learning a brand new skill with a music that you just didn't understand at the time?
1: Yeah, to be honest, the
0: music, like, people ask me that, but
1: it doesn't really bother me. Like, you could dance to, like, Spanish music or whatever rap where you don't even understand the lyrics, but you can feel the beat. Like, so I don't think the music thing really affects
0: the dancing. In terms of dancing, though, yeah, I I love it so much. I don't know if you felt the same way, but did you imagine bonga to be as intense as it was? Because I didn't.
1: No, even after our first competition, which we did push ourselves for, But not that hard. (laughs) Like, I got out of breath, like, a little bit in every session, but not, like, to the point of, like, struggling to breathe and wanting to throw up. So, no, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. When did I realise it was going to be that hard? Um, My first professional competition. I was like, wow.
0: And you did that with uh, injured foot as well,
1: didn't you? Yeah, so for that one, that was almost a year since my first bongo class. And, yeah, I fractured my foot two weeks before competition. I was basically taking painkillers, but not too much because I never really grew up taking painkillers. I tried to like stay away. But then on the day, I only had to take like two painkillers on the day and I literally felt nothing and I just danced because if I was in pain, then that would have been really horrible.
0: What made you want to like carry on? Because I know a lot of people that would have been like, I'm injured, it's fine, like someone else can take my space. But you're like, no, I'm going to dance with an injured foot. Yeah, I remember at the time, so I had to go to A&E. And they
1: told me that my foot was fractured. I was crying. I was like, I have to do this comp. I don't know what it was. How did I have so much passion for this? Well, I still didn't really know much about it, but I was like, I have to do it. This is not an option. Like bed rest for six weeks. No, that's not an option. Yeah, I honestly don't know where that passion came from. Like why I have continued doing it. I think I just enjoy like the people and the experience that I've had.
0: I think a lot of it always has to be done with the people, like the people, the team. I know with both of us, we continue doing bongra after we graduated. We were like those people. We graduated in 2017. We didn't go love front until 2019. So two years on since we graduated, we've been both going back because of that passion. And I think a lot of that passion comes from the team. I love the love team. They're family to me. I don't know what it is, and I feel like you'll be exactly the same as me. That any single time they'll need help, I'll be like, I will be there for you because. They like ride or die, especially when you see them every single day for, I don't know, like how many, like six months. You see them more than you see your family. Like they become your family. It's very cliche to say, but it's kind of what happens, right? You do it for the people.
1: Yeah. I read somewhere that, for example, if you want to have a bond with someone, you have to find that common enemy. So I think like in Bonga, the common enemy we all had was like the whole struggle of like pushing our bodies to, like, pass its limits, like, really pushing ourselves. So strenuous. That was our common enemy, like, the dance. But we were all struggling together, and we all hated, it. quotation marks, hated it together, but also, like, loved it. Yeah, it's really easy to make a bond with your team, whatever team that I've been on, and probably for you as well.
0: I think it was more, like, we just hated our stamina because our stamina was so, like, crap at the time. And, like, to get to comp standard, like, that stamina is, like, ridiculously Hard to get. And when I first started bungalow, I was chubby. I remember I couldn't even do jumps, like proper jumps for a really long time because I had really weak legs, which is weird because that the strongest thing I now my legs. Like I used to have shin splints for like the first, my first comp. And I remember I had to take painkillers for that. It's definitely been a struggle. So, one question that I have is like, what has been your favorite comp experience so far? Like, okay, let's break this down. How many comps have you done? Nine competitions. Since 2015
1: to 2019. Aside from like the Loughborough ones, which I had mixed emotions about, mostly good, but it was also difficult because I had to captain. So it wasn't that fun. It's not as fun as it could be if you're not a captain. But my favorite, favorite one is 2016 with the team BFD. Yeah. So we were a brand new team, um, a collab team. So it was two teams combined into one. And that was the first time we had competed together and. No one really expected anything from us really, because we were a new team, but we actually placed third, which was really amazing because I don't know, I personally didn't expect anything. So I was just like just enjoying the journey, enjoying the team, enjoying the training. Yeah, it was really fun because a lot of the dancers were brand new dancers. Like most of the team were brand new. And everyone was so like hungry to be the absolute best. The passion at every session, like it was for real. That was just an amazing experience. But also, yeah, I do, like you said about and the Loughborough team. Than being like family and stuff. Like I really feel that as well. Um, The only thing is just when you're a captain, you run the however many hour long session, like let's say a six hour session and it's like midnight and everyone goes home and eats and like watches TV and goes to bed. But as a captain, you don't, you've got work to do. Like you need to fix this on the mix. You need to change this formation and there's just so much to think about. Yeah, it's exhausting, but if you're passionate about it, then being a captain, it's hard, but it's possible. But if you're not 100% into being a captain, then you're going to find it like terrible experience. So you have to
0: like, yeah, be hungry about Bunger. Yeah, that is really true. Because how many times have you been captain? Been a few times.
1: Yeah, I think only three times. And I've kind of been like a senior member of the team, so still have some responsibilities. I remember in 2019 when some other people were captains, but there was just some mad issues with formations and stuff. Me and Sanjay, my boyfriend, uh, he's, he was also like one of the senior members of the team. We went to his office after work and basically just worked until formations until like 12.30, like past midnight. And I had to take the last train home. There's always work to be done when you're part of the, the senior members of the team.
0: Do you not find it weird how we literally have friends that are like five years younger than us? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a
1: bit weird. It's so not going to lie, but it is nice. But you know, like younger people, when you're at uni and stuff, you just chat about rubbish, not rubbish, but sometimes about rubbish. And it's just nice to sometimes to sit there. I have nothing to say, but it's just nice listening to them like,
0: ah, oh. Yeah, I started feeling like their grandma, but do you know what? It was actually just entertaining. I think they just added the youth back into me because I remember like obviously doing like nine to five working office and then going up to Loughborough to train every weekend. It's exhausting, but they just like put a smile on my face because they were just like, you know when people just say the, the funniest, dumbest stuff and you're literally there like cracking up because it's just so funny. And I yeah. think that really like got me staying on because I just feel like every bongo team has banter. And I think that's the one thing that's really like what I love about Loughborough is the fact that we're actually funny people. We're all funny. And when we're made together, with like a circulation of funny. Yeah,
1: <laughs> pretty much. Everyone's got that like, one thing about them on the team that you can make fun of so
0: and that's what I love as well and it's like the generational because we've both been there from the start so I know that we went from like 2015 all the way to what 2019 but I feel like the jokes from one year to another have also continued and I love the fact that like it kind of just moves like generation to generation and I feel like the next generation will still use that joke yeah that's how like um
1: Bolion or like um like those myths that you have in your culture oh yeah like Bolion yeah like get passed down so we've like managed what six years five to six years of
0: these stories that hopefully will continue I don't know I would love them to be continued not gonna lie okay talking about funny what has been your funniest comp story that like, was something that happened at training that was like <laughs> the thing that like you just couldn't stop laughing so 2018 yeah, I'm gonna start laughing again. But Tony Casey, I'm gonna bleep out like, the name of the person who this happened to. Joe remember we're doing a SAP run through and SAP is at like, one of the props that we have, the wooden props. And then all of a sudden just slips. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember that. We have that on video as well. I just remember everyone just carries on dancing and like, no one stops. And every single time I watch it, because it just comes so unexpectedly, that like, he's doing the move and then all of a sudden he just like, a pop on the floor. He literally like, fell flat like, on his
1: face because he couldn't use his hands because he was holding the prop. So he just went flat. <laughs> but we're so like trained in our minds to continue no matter what happens <laughs> everyone just continued. Because obviously if he falls on stage, you, you can't have the whole team stopping. So we had that, that in our heads, ingrained. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is a funny story, but a very memorable moment. So we used to train where, um, in the multi-story car park in our uni. In the winter. Yeah, true. In our coats, we'd be doing like formations and walkthroughs and technique outside in a multi-story car park. And there was one time there were these like from the local town that were there with their bikes. And then they were like dropping glass bottles from like the floor above. So it would like just smash. And we were like, oh, and then I can't remember what happened, but. They stole a cone.
0: Oh, yeah they just came up and then they just took one of our cones. (laughs) Yeah. This was 2018 as well. I remember this. Someone called security before because there were the smashing bottles and then all I see is this white security van like swerving into the car park like going over all the cones and then like running after these boys to like get this one cone back. Wow, this is a dangerous situation. (laughs) Yeah, that was actually pretty scary. But we had to train in car parks because we couldn't get any space because as much as Loughborough University was a massive place it also has so many societies and so many like athletic unions so it was so difficult to get space I remember how much we used to pay a lot of money just to get sports halls and stuff and we had to use car parks in the winter because there was no other way to train but overall it's worth it it was worth it apart from that one incident where someone decided to steal our cones yeah <laughs> bad they went for the cone and not the speaker because that's obviously worth a lot more the thing that I used to just love more than anything is the fact that. We used to spend every weekend like 9 till 6 p.m. together. And then we'll be like, guys, do you guys want to go get food? Or guys, do you want to hang out? Like, we would spend 24 hours with each other. And then after comp, for me, Bongra Blues like, hit really hard. Like, I remember I used to miss everyone like so intensely because I'm like, I've got nothing to do now. Like, I miss you guys. So I didn't like miss training. Yeah, I missed
1: the people. I didn't miss the training because you neglected every single other part of your life for like a whole solid two months so then you always have like loads of like stuff to do or certain things that you have to do um, after comp
0: but yeah the people the team I just feel like every single time I was with them I would laugh like I would just be laughing it was just mixed emotions like one time we're all crying together because we're all in pain and then the next minute we're all laughing together because someone cracked a funny joke it was just a whirlwind of emotions, but like, I don't know why, but you can really just feel the love as well. Like you've literally felt like these people wanted the best for you and you want the best for them. I love that about Bongra, And I think, like you said, I know that I neglected quite a lot of stuff for Bhangra, like in my life. Like when it comes to that priority, everything else fell and all I had was bungar, and that was my priority, especially when I was working full time and then commuting London to Loughborough. And I know you were doing the same. My priorities were work and bungalow, and that's it. Like, I neglected my social life for the next, like, how many weeks or how many months I neglected my family. I like, barely saw my family. It used to genuinely just be work and bungra, work and bungra. But I don't regret it because having that experience of being on stage, like, I don't know how it feels for you, but it's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing.
1: I remember that like, when I was younger, I always wanted to go to, like, stage school where they do singing, acting, and dancing. But my mum used to always tell me that, like, Oh, only bad children go to these places like children that answer back to their parents and stuff like that so I was never allowed and then I remember in year seven when High School Musical came out and I watched it and I was like so amazed and like, I felt so much emotion from seeing all these people dance and sing together in sync so I didn't realize at the time I've only realized really recently that bunger was like my outlet for that like that was something I always dreamed of in the back of my mind and then Bungra allowed me to have that feeling on stage and like be able to dance with all these people in sync.
0: So talking about Bungra, and obviously we will say how like we both commuted in our alumni years to compete. The first time we both did it in our alumni years was when we got into the Bungra showdown. And I remember that was like Loughborough's goal from when we first started in 2015 that like we want to make it to the Bungra showdown. Do you remember that feeling like when you got the call cool that we got in?
1: Yeah, so we submitted the audition for the Bonga Showdown. It was like the start of October on a Sunday. And then it was like one week before they tell us um, if we're in or not. I was in Sports Direct and I was like waiting for this call all day. Like my phone was loud, like I was ready to pick up. And I got the call while I was in the changing room. I was actually like shaking, like I'd just been offered a job or something. I was like, oh my God. And they were just telling us that Lothra are in the Bonga Showdown. We were so excited. Like this was everything that we had wanted to work for at the time. And we were like, wow, the Bunga Showdown, which obviously is an amazing competition.
0: Do you know what I was so excited about? So the Bunga Showdown had that thing where you post behind a green screen and you like turn around. Because we've been going ever since we first started Bunga in 2015. And I remember that was like the one thing that was on my Bunga bucket list. Like, I want to do the turn around, fold arm thing. I don't know why. It's basically like an intro.
1: scene so you know you have like a TV
0: show. Yeah. It's like,
1: what's that bit at the start where they play the theme tune? And then like introduce each opening credit. Is
0: that what it's called? Like, Yeah, your opening credits, right?
1: There's basically that for um, every performance. So like every team member, they'll just kind of like do a pose or turn around and it has
0: their name that appears. So that was really fun. That was so much fun. Like because Imperial Uni do and organize the Bunga Showdown and they do an amazing job. And I remember they came to Loughborough and we kind of took the day off training and like everyone was like getting ready and it was just like really nice as well. So moving forward, you're someone that has won a lot of awards to do with Bhangra. You've won Best Dance Out at a competition like three times now out of your nine comps. But how did it feel for you to be on that stage and have your name announced and be like, Jessica has won? Starting
1: that Bhangra, like I didn't really know what it was. Didn't really understand like the whole competitive scene of Bhangra. It just kind of happened. I never really expected to be on a winning team or win any awards. I just kind of did it and for fun. And so that first time, I literally just didn't expect it at all and was just so like confused. If you ever watch the video back or if it's available on the internet, I don't know. But when they announced my name, I'm just like so hesitant and like, I don't know what to do. Do I go forward? I, I just literally had no clue. I was just really hesitant, was very confused. I was happy, but like not outwardly. Because I didn't understand at the time. But um, obviously it is a great achievement. It does mean a lot to me. Like these, I never won like physical awards or medals like as I was growing up. I got a badge for swimming. But you know when people do football and whatever when they're younger and they get all these trophies and awards and parents' display, I never had any of that. So this was the first time I had an actual like award. So yeah, I have all of them here in my room. Actually, some are downstairs. And I think when I'm older, when I get my own place, I'm going to have a little corner of like trophies and medals. And then so my kids, when they win whatever thingies they do, um, they can have their medals
0: and trophies displayed as well. Oh, my God. Imagine if your kids do Bhangra. Oh, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, they will. So then when it was like the second time or even the third time, were you ever expecting them? So after like the
1: first time, I kind of like because for that competition, I had grown so much in my Bhangra ability. And then I kind of knew where I was and I was a lot more confident in my ability. So there was like a certain pressure that I did feel for every competition after that, which in some ways is a good thing because it made me a lot more driven. Like every training session, I'd be pushing myself a lot more than I would have. But also like it impacted me a bit negatively as well in the fact that I felt a lot of pressure. And especially on literally every competition day after 2016, I would feel a horrible feeling of dread. Like, throughout the competition day, just the most intense anxiety and fear, almost to the point that it's, like, difficult to move. Like, I just want to sit there and just, like, I don't even know. But it's very intense anxiety and fear. And that feeling would only be, like, released the second I get on the stage and the music started, and then I just do my thing. But, yeah, it has increased the pressure. But overall, I'm glad. Yeah, it's just really amazing to be able to, like, have these achievements that are my own and they are what I worked for to have these. And like, I won't ever forget the experience that I had with Bunga.
0: I definitely know comp day is always such a whirlwind of emotions. Like I remember the first ever comp that we did, I was actually really excited. It was in Her Majesty's Theatre in London, but my next comp was in 2017 and I was a nervous wreck. I feel very similar to you on every single comp day is I just feel like I don't want anyone to talk to me. I just listen to the mix over and over again because there's this fear that I'm going to forget something. I don't know if you feel this but I feel this like 10 minutes before stage I will just be constantly thirsty and get to the point where I'm like I'm dehydrated and then I'll sip on water and I'll keep sipping on water and then I'll be like oh, shit I need to pee now and then I'll go to the toilet and then I'll be like I still need to drink water. I don't know what it is but Like you, as soon as I got on stage, like that whole fear went, and you're just a bit like, let's just do it now. Yeah, I have that issue a lot because obviously,
1: like dancing that hard and pushing yourself that hard on stage with all the lights, with all the like waiting backstage, like waiting 15 minutes by side stage, you get to the point where because I breathe through my mouth. I think everyone breathes through their mouth, like when they're like doing sports, right? And my throat just goes so dry, and then if I try and swallow. My throat kind of like, oh, this might sound like a bit dirty and shame on you for the listeners who are going to take this in bad way. But my throat like kind of like sticks together and then I gag. There's been like three instances on stage where I've like gagged because I can't like swallow because my mouth is just so dry. So it's actually a struggle. And someone said one time to use like Vaseline on your gums. So I tried that twice. I don't know if it works. I don't know. It might work for some people, not for others. But Vaseline, I don't know. What are the other tricks that people use?
0: I remember there's a honey one. I remember there's a coconut water one. Coconut water? Yeah, don't drink water, drink coconut water because apparently it's more hydrating. I remember my diet during comp time it was impeccable. And I feel like you helped me like get to that point because I remember we were both like, we're not eating fried food. As soon as we started comp training, I will be so strict and eat so clean. Like we said before, I have a sweet tooth, no sugar, no fried food. Like I was so careful of everything I ate because I was so worried that I'm going to put something in my body, like something fried into my body. And that's it. My stamina's all going to be gone. Like that was my thought process.
1: Yeah, no, same. I'm so glad that we were like kind of taught that right at the start. And when we started bongo because I thought everyone ate clean. Yeah, same. But I see people like kind of brag or they go to McDonald's and stuff throughout their um, training time. So maybe like a minority of people that really strictly eat clean throughout. But I guess it just depends on how important hunger is to you
0: in terms of like priorities. For me, it was a lot about stamina and to build stamina. How was training for you to build stamina? So difficult. I remember like
1: the external professional competition happens in September every year. So we would train like over the whole summer period. I remember just how sweaty and like hot I would get. Like i would never been that sweaty in my life. Like seeing like sweat beads on my arms and stuff. Stamina is a massive thing. It's very difficult to train stamina, but the best way is to complete every move, exaggerate every move firstly, so that even if you're feeling so tired, you can still complete the move really well. And the second one is back-to-back run. Just do the whole set which is eight minutes long, have like a 30-second break and then do the whole thing again.
0: And that's always the aim as well. It's that in order to complete a run-through on stage, you should be able to do two back-to-back ones in training. Mm-hmm. Do you remember having to do them at home by yourself? I think that was the worst thing about Bangor for me. When I was doing alumni years, and I remember I can only make trainings on weekends and having to do run-throughs at home with my old ass house with pretty odd floorboards and fungo is such an intense dance in terms of so much jumping and like bouncing i remember my dad was like we're gonna break the floorboards i'm not even joking you're actually gonna break the floorboards but i had to i didn't have a choice i used to feel the dread like i used to put this run through off until like 9 p.m at night and i'm like shit i need to record a video i need to post it on facebook i need to do it it's difficult enough doing it in front of people but it's easier in the sense that people are cheering you on It's so hard when you're doing it by yourself and there's no one cheering you and you have to motivate yourself and you can't be like, I can't stop. Like, I can't stop. You have to be like your own support system in that. I found that really difficult. But I've also felt so proud. And I don't know if you felt the same way. After I was able to complete a back-to-back run through like perfectly, I was like, yes, I could do it. Yeah, I remember like for the first few competitions where I did back-to-back run throughs,
1: I used to be able to like push myself throughout the whole time. But then I guess after a couple of comps, you know, certain methods of like tricking yourself, like it doesn't work anymore and you've got a new way to like motivate yourself. So it didn't really work for me as much in the later times. But um, yeah, definitely like the first few competitions, back to back run throughs is definitely the way.
0: And I just love like how much cardio it was. I think Bhangra was like a massive reason why I lost so much weight because you're training like six days a week you're constantly active if you told me like five years ago that I would do that I'd be like Haha, you're having a laugh I guess like the next question was what has bongra taught you slash how has Bhangra changed you as a person
1: firstly you know where there's like so many different sides of yourself so Bhangra showed me that I can be very disciplined in myself, but also like disciplining a team and being very strict and being a leader. Because I personally wouldn't really say like the version of me at work is like not a leader. So when I'm like answering questions, like when I was applying for grad jobs, for example, and they were saying like all these qualities, like, I can see myself doing all these like, leadership qualities in Bhangra and in other situations, which is good because if I didn't do Bhangra, I would just think that I wasn't really a leadership sort of person. and I'd kind of just go with it. I know like for my past, I have done Bhangra. I can be strict. I can teach. I can lead a team. I can make people listen to me. It's taught me that massively. And also like pushing myself. And um, I know that if I really, really want something, I will push myself so far to achieve that. So knowing that if I actually really want something, I push for it. So if I don't feel that motivated about something like later on in my life, I know that I don't really want it that much.
0: Yeah, that's very similar to mine. I think doing Bangra, I actually realized what it meant to be passionate about something and to build something. I really resonate with what you said. I know what it's like to feel that passion. And if I don't feel that, I don't know that I'm not passionate about it. And to your point about disciplining yourself, Yeah, I think like when you really want something, you'll fight for it. And I definitely felt like I had to overcome so much in order to be on stage or even get to where I was in Bhangraa. So I definitely think that I kind of had that drive, like that fight or flight instinct. It was like, if I want this, I'm going to make it happen. And I think that's something that I've learned now for like the rest of my life. It's like, if I want something, I'm making it happen. Like no questions asked.
1: Yes. That's literally such a good thing. Because it's like, there's people out there that want something and then they don't really make it happen. And that just becomes them. But when we know that in the past, we have really wanted something and we force ourselves to make it happen because we wanted it that much then we know if we really want something, we really would push for it. That's very, very true.
0: Uh, final question for you, since you've been a captain for like three straight years, and there obviously are so many new people joining Bungara and Bungar teams that are now changing. And I guess there's a new generation of Bungar coming in, which is super exciting. What advice would you have to new captains and also new people that want to try Bungar? So
1: for new captains or like presidents of societies even, I think the main thing is like remembering that Bhangra is not just about the competition. It's also like the culture, what Bhangra represents. So don't get all like caught up in like, oh, this team, that team, I have to make it on this team or just like drama. Don't get all caught up with that because we should be celebrating Punjabi culture with Bhangra. That's what is connecting everyone in such a beautiful way. So yeah, don't get caught up in all the drama and competitiveness and also Oh, I was saying about the captains and the society presidents. Make new people that come to the class, make them feel welcome. I know at some other universities when new freshers have come to the class and there's like bitchy vibes from the people who danced on the team like in the previous year because they just feel like they're better than uh, the new people coming through. And it's just like, don't create that intimidating environment. It's just unnecessary, really. Like they're here for the society. They're here to learn. They want to learn. They want to learn about culture and they want to get fit. So don't make it all
0: about the competition. Oh, and the other one was just for like new dancers. If there's like someone that wants to join Bangalore, what advice would you give to them? So I would advise, firstly, to just go
1: for it. Just go for one class and see how you feel. And also don't ever think that you look stupid or anything because literally I have seen so many people come to their first class and like pretty like you said like you didn't really have as much hand eye coordination as person next to you for example but look how far you've come and I've literally seen so many people develop so much in terms of their hand eye coordination and fitness and some of those people became captains later on and I've seen them literally succeed so much even though in their first class they were a bit like left foot right foot going the wrong way like that literally means nothing so don't always take your first class as how you will be. But consistency is key.
0: I think that's so right in just like other aspects of life. It's just that like consistency is key. And I would say like for anyone that's starting Bhangra, it's a great way to meet like-minded people. And I'll always make it back to the people because I don't think Loughborough is just Loughborough. I think every single Bungara team has that bond. And it's not even just people on the team. It's like the whole society. That like I remember when I was president there was a team, but there was still a society and we still had society events where like Bangor wasn't just those 12 people. It was those 12 people plus the extra 30 people and they we'll go Nando's and there'll be like 35 people and we'll all go on a night out together. It's what you say is that like you don't have to be on the team to be a part of Bungra and if you just want to dance and come to classes like that's fine if you want to do it competitively that's fine like it's in your court about what you want to do with it but at the end of the day just have fun it's a great way to meet new people it's a great way to feel like you kind of belong at uni it can be so scary like starting and not knowing anyone especially not knowing anyone like if you're into Punjabi culture it's a great way to meet other people who are also into Punjabi culture if that makes sense
1: Yeah, but also if you're not, because I didn't know anything about Punjabi culture before Bhangra, but look at all these people that I've met and the incredible journey that I've had. Loads of different experiences. So even if you don't know anything about Punjabi culture,
0: you can give it a try. Yeah, I think it's just all about giving it a try and just like being very open minded with it. At the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun, right? So just make it fun. Like Jess said, don't get involved in the drama, which I'm so glad that we didn't do. Exactly. Yeah, that's made my
1: experience so much better, like not getting caught up with the drama, just like staying humble and staying true to the reasons why we started it and like the friends that we've made. Yeah, and
0: especially like the friends that we've made like outside of Loughborough, because the one thing that I really love about Bhangra is the Bhangra community and the fact that like you will end up meeting people from across all these different unis up and down the country. I love saying hello to people. I love giving people hugs. And I remember that backstage in a competition, you'll end up knowing a lot more people and it'll be really nice because like going to a bongo comp for me, sometimes it's just having to catch up with all my friends that I haven't seen in a really long time. Excuse to get together. Like, yeah, we only meet once a year now because we're not at yeah. uni. So I think to end this episode off, like bongo has definitely changed our lives in like such a positive way. But although it's like ended, I look back on it with like so much fondness and just like fond memories. And like every single time I think about it, I just smile. Yeah, you know when people like they go backpacking around whatever country and they
1: find themselves bungra, the three years that we did it or were involved with it that's where I found so much of myself and since I stopped dancing I've managed to like mellow down and just like realize everything that I learned about myself it really has shaped me
0: as an individual I definitely agree thank you Jazz, for coming on and sharing your Bhangra journey with me it was actually so much fun to like do it together rather than just me like doing it by myself it was actually so fun to like reminisce
1: yeah you haven't talked about it so long like reminiscing back to like Loughborough days when we competed so yeah it's really nice to like reminisce
0: I really hope you enjoyed that episode and got to learn more about mine and Jessica's journey with Bongra if you have any questions around Bungra, please feel free to message me. I'm more than happy to talk about it. Honestly, I can talk about it for hours, not going to lie. And in my experience, the UK bongra community has been extremely positive and super supportive. And I'm so glad that I was able to meet the people that I have. You can contact me on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at Pretty Personal. All of them have been linked in the episode description below. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe so that you'll get new episodes each week in your library because I upload every single Tuesday. If you haven't and you're listening to Apple Podcast, please, please please rate this five stars and leave a review. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I'll speak to you guys next week. Take care, bye.